And, uh, you have lockdown hair. I do. It's getting out of hand. Mine just look makes me it. look like I'm in the Beatles. That's better. Mine looks like... You tell me. Yeah, John Lennon's son who got addicted to heroin. <laughs> That's the one. That's what I'm going... Ah, you've seen my Pinterest board. <laughs> you got your beer. Yeah, hold on. Hold on. All right, we cheers the webcam. Like this? Yeah. Clink. Uh, uh, It's not the same, is it? God, I can't wait for pubs and pints. Oh, pubs. Oh, pints. Oh, pubs and, and the pints. weather. Oh, this is beer weather. And, oh, I know. I know. How are you holding up, Steve? I've been drinking a lot. Yeah, I've kind of upped mine a little bit too. Yeah. Reminds me of the early days of WAP. The time, the threshold for when it's okay to drink just gets a little bit earlier every day. Yeah, that's why you've been so enthusiastic for podcasting all the time now. Can we podcast now? <laughs> <laughs> Please. Nah, it's fine. I'm not drinking too much. Just slightly more, maybe, than I would be on your Monday afternoon <laughs> when we're recording this. But you doing okay? Yeah, I'm doing grand. I met the uh, US Congress at a Lego. Do you want to see it? What? Yeah, Show okay. me. Yes, of course I want to see it. It's the benefit of us being on webcams now. I'll dis- don't worry, I'll describe Ghost it for Ghostbusters and the dude and a Fallout guy were protecting it. But Right. Whoa! Oh, it's the fancy US architecture, or the Lego architecture. Yep. Yeah, no, I didn't just make it myself. I followed instructions and had specific pieces. Right. Oh, look at you having a productive lockdown. Yeah, productive. Well, look at how cool it is. It's it's pretty fucking cool. Look at this. And it's a nice overlap on your two... What? You can take it right off. Inside, there's little men. Oh my god. Have you um, pretended to be a giant terrorizing Washington? Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, because it's like the first thing you did. Yeah. They keep Very on good. trying to build a wall, but it doesn't work. I get over it because it's tiny. Oh, that's great. Uh, you know what I was thinking about, Steve, the other day? Or this morning, actually. Do you remember when um, you and I uh, were in Alcatraz? Well, we visited Alcatraz. We weren't, we weren't in, remember when you and nice I did hard time? phrasing. <laughs> <laughs> when we visited Alcatraz on that little boat. I do. It was lovely. It was lovely. Well, I mean, um, lovely, you know. You know, relatively speaking. And do you remember we did the audio tour and there was, this is something that stayed with me for, because this was years ago we did this, but it stuck with me. There was the audio tour that we did and there's a story of one particular inmate who was given, I think, 19 days in solitary confinement. And the solitary confinement in Alcatraz was like a two meter by two meter dark yeah, room awful. with nothing. And yeah, the way he described um, keeping sane, he would go in there he would take a button off his overalls, off his prison uniform and, and close his eyes and just throw it over, uh, spin around a bunch, throw it over his shoulder, spin around again. And then he would get down his hands and knees and try and find that button. And whenever he found it, he had won the game and he would just get up and do it again. Okay. And pre- previously, I, I had categorized this in my mind as like, what a wonderful story of like the human spirit and persevering and pushing through and making the best of a bad situation, which is what humans are very good at. That's how I categorized it previously. But then this morning I'd started to recategorize it as something I could do. <laughs> I could just do myself. It became like, that's an activity. <laughs> so 
How many times did you do it? I know I'm not comparing my life to that of a prisoner at all. I'm very privileged to be in a nice, you live across the road from my house and have, Yeah, exactly. And I've got like lovely. I've got Wi-Fi. I've got lovely roommates and all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying this is akin to being in prison at all. I just couldn't stop thinking about that story and how it's shifted in my mind. As in, like, yeah, that'd be a fun thing to try one of these days. Just turn off all the lights in my room and try find a button in the dark. Don't tell Kate, and like she's sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> found it. Oh no, wait. Uh, sorry, did I have my Teddy Roosevelt bobblehead here? Oh, cool. Um, but his glass. Oh shit! His glasses fell no! off. Oh, look! That's like his whole trademark thing. He just looks like. Who does he look like now? He kind of looks like Nick Offerman. Well, yeah, he does look a bit like Nick Offerman now. So Steve ages ago got me a bobblehead uh, for my birthday or something. Those times when I remembered it's your birthday. Yeah, <laughs> and it's a it's a Teddy in his prime. In his uniform, his military uniform with his, yeah, his Rough Riders uniform, his sword in the back. But he had a tasteful set of bifocals on, mm. just on, on, uh, sitting on his uh, his nose, but they fell off. But I just, as soon as they fell off, I was like, oh, he looks actually quite handsome. It's like that moment in the films where like, the, 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 oh, the, girl. the, you know, takes yeah, off her yeah, glasses yeah. and lets down her hair. And like, oh my God, who's this? Yeah, yeah. Well, like, wait to see so, what happens when I do it. Yeah, I would. <laughs> Okay, we said we were going to get better at this by introducing who we are. Mm-hmm. We, whoever we are, said that. Yeah. What is what I am? What is this? What is this thing? What are people listening to? Um, if you may, you may have come to us from the Irish Times top fifty podcast to listen to while in lockdown. How? We're not there, but Richie's been commenting every five <laughs> minutes at the bottom of the post. <laughs> Once you're done with these fifty. <laughs> So it's like serial, the Irish Times politics podcast. Oh, you got my you got my, you got my hopes up there that we'd be broken through. The echo chamber made it. Good for them. And so hopefully if people listen to enough echo chamber and then oh no, we're not no. on there. They, no. <laughs> we did a live show together two years ago. We did a live show together. Our, I don't know, maybe they'll mention that's it. Our claim to fame. There we go. We keep doing live shows with other successful podcasts. If you want to be successful, do a live show with us. Yeah, there you go. That's who we are. Now we're at politics. P- politics. <laughs> politics. Politics, Steve. 101 episodes in. We do, it does them politics. Now we're a politics podcast. We're pretty light and irreverent, I like to think. Yeah. No? It's the first time we've mentioned yeah. politics since we've started recording a while ago. It is indeed. It is indeed. But you know what? We always get around to it. Much like now. Uh, I'm Richie. I'm Steve. I'm like the edgy bad boy. I'm like and Steve. the edgy bad boy that wears glasses. So it's just a pair of bad boys. <laughs> Very edgy. Very edgy. You say something edgy and then I'll say something edgy. Uh, oh, you, you, that Tiger King lady killed her husband. Caroline. Hot take. Caroline what? Is it? Carol Baskins. Carol Baskins. Caroline Bolshevik. Uh, my edgy thing is that um, coronavirus, Steve, it can oh. flip right off. Oh. There I said it. What the tracks going to say? Like not it wasn't a fan. real. Did not you hear about the 5G towers? Oh my God. God, yes. My county so is not people claiming proud. Yeah, people claiming that um, the cause of coronavirus is 5G towers and people were doing a breakdown of like when different forms of like mobile communication technology were released, they corresponded to different pandemics and bad events. No, it's it's horrible. I saw a great tweet. Uh, someone said, uh, oh yeah, I worked on the 5G towers. I'm sorry to say that I accidentally set them to um, cause coronavirus rather than cause um, homosexuality. So sorry about that. It's his fault. <laughs> Yeah, yeah and Donegal, they're actually trying to burn down the towers and using 
dynamite and stuff like that. Yeah. No! What? Why? The reality is, like, 5G would make this, like, lockdown thing, like, it, it's a thing, it's a tool that will help. Like, it will make things easier for people and for businesses course, and stuff. Of course, but that doesn't stop people who have dynamite. And yeah. why do they have dynamite? Uh, you always have to have a little bit of, you always have to have a little bit okay. of dynamite. Well, I mean, you're not going to use you're it. You're saying you don't have any dynamite. I'm not saying I don't have any dynamite. Right. I'm just saying that I wouldn't use it so frivolously to destroy something based on a post on Facebook. I'd at least wait for it right. to get to Reddit. Yeah. Not even front page, just uh, anywhere like on Reddit. One sub comment on the 58th reply to a, a comment. Yeah, that's all you need. <laughs> on a Pokemon thing. Boom. Boom. Uh, so while we're talking about Ireland and how proud we are of our nation, <laughs> should we do some news? Sure. We haven't done news in a while. We haven't done news in a while. You just- went abroad. And then you came I back. went abroad and then I didn't because it's a fucking aforementioned poxy virus. <laughs> uh, but I'm back now. Yeah, but we're going to back to business as usual. And that includes news. So what, what's the first story? Uh, you remember when we had an election episode back in February because Ireland were having an election? Oh, yeah. Eight years ago. Yeah, we still haven't resolved that. And we don't have an official government. All the government are interim because it, the results were all wonky. And then mm. the virus came and now... It's probably actually speeding things up, though, in fairness. So remember when you said maybe it won't be Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil? Yeah. And then I came back and said, oh, looks like I was wrong. It might actually not be Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil. Mm-hmm. Well, it will probably be Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil. <laughs> because they have come to an agreement and they just need about 16 other TDs to back them up. Different parties. Remains to be seen if this is like a good or bad thing I guess but you know it's good for us because we both get to say I told you so at different parts <laughs> so it's a very equitable <laughs> you say it on three one two I told you so I knew you'd say it you jerk <laughs> that was a test of your character and you failed I failed miserably but yeah elaborate further so Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil are like oh we need to do a deal for the national good that good being to try and fight COVID I think Fianna Fáil mm-hmm. are also kind of pissed off because Leo Varadkar and his ministers are getting some nice Front page news and people aren't criticizing them that much. I mean, yeah, some people Ireland are. seems to be doing pretty well. Yeah. Leaders generally tend to do well during crises, and Ireland, as the stats say, seem to be doing better than most countries with COVID. Mm-hmm. So I think Fianna Fáil want to get in when the going is good and have Michal Martin make a few of those press conferences, maybe even the one saying it's over. Yeah. So they're happy to do a deal. Um, but they are recognizing that both parties essentially lost the election while winning it in as that is, way. As is, as is um, terribly common. Yeah. As, you know, the President of the United States won that way and the Conservatives get yeah. back to power, etc. Win by lose and lose by winning. So they have done a deal with a lot of policies that they wouldn't have campaigned on just on the basis that they say that's what the people want. And now they're waiting for smaller parties or lots of independents to come together and back them up. And that's what's currently in talks. Do we feel like the, so the, the major talking points and ideologies around the last uh, election around housing and the healthcare system, do they feel like they're going to be addressed? I don't know. Who knows? They've like published some stuff, but it's all fast. I mean, they're always publishing stuff. Yeah, they're always publishing stuff. So they've published this deal that they're like, is going to be like a program for government. But the smaller parties are still going to have to have their say. And then of course, programs for government don't like, they're always up in the air when you actually get in there. So mm. who knows? I don't know. We'll, we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, well, I do a story. You do a story. I've actually got two stories oh. because you suggested, suggested even, um, this particular story to talk about but then I found a much nicer story <laughs> okay. I was originally going to go no fuck your story Steve I'm going to talk about my story but I figured no I'd indulge you oh thanks um, <laughs> and the listeners and I guess me and my own you know my own uh, uh, learning about politics <laughs> uh, as is the, you know, the whole point of the show 101 episodes I'm going to talk 
Yeah, I was going to talk about the EU mm-hmm. and um, them kind of struggling to get their shit together a little bit yeah. in terms of economic relief uh, in the midst of this COVID disaster. The EU does not do well uh, in crises and it's still not proving it to do well anymore. Yeah, I'm learning that. Um, so the EU Commission has like a 37 billion euro coronavirus response investment initiative or CRE <laughs> for short. Which sounds great in Dutch. CRE. <laughs> 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 yeah, the cash for the, that 37 billion was pulled from unspent funds in different EU cohesion programs and presumably also the back of President Ursula uh, von der Leyen's couch. Am I saying that right? Von der Leyen? That's the first time I've heard it read out loud, but yes. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. Presumably so a combination of the back of her couch, some loose coins and also some unused cohesion uh, programs. The issue is, though, how this money is being distributed. So it was allocated based on pre-existing rules that govern uh, regional aid for the EU. So obviously there's like income disparity in within the EU. Mm. So there's some poorer states and there's some richer states. And naturally enough, you know, poorer states would get more aid to balance things out. So this create money uh, was allocated under that older system. Problem being that the effects of coronavirus don't follow that same system, yeah. if you know what I mean. So taking this approach, Italy, which is at this point, basically ground zero for the um, COVID-19 in Europe, mm. was stand to receive about 2.3 billion. Uh, meanwhile, Hungary, which is about like a sixth of that population, not hit as hard as, as Italy, would receive 5.6 billion. Doesn't add up. Doesn't really add up at all, given the current, the current landscape. And this, of course, is causing controversy because countries that are benefiting heavily from CREA are saying that uh, they won't accept like a redrawing of those parameters. And then obviously the, the countries that are more un, underserviced by it are, you know, calling for more of a, a redrawing that would benefit them. So it's, it's kind of more equitable. The aforementioned president, Ursula von der Leyen, has been promising that the EU's budget for the future is going to be like the engine for post-corona recovery. But if this is like a testing ground, this like one initiative where they've basically taken some loose change from other parts, it's proving so controversial. It seems like this bigger... Um, budget is going yeah. to be even more contentious. Yeah. So we're going to have to keep our eyes 37 on that. Billion a bit of a mess. billion in EU terms basically. isn't actually that much. No. And then that budget you're talking about is trillions. So if they can't get their shit together on this tiny bit, what the fuck? Their couch isn't that deep. No. It's, it's well, one of them is like a sofa couch and if you open up the sofa, you, there could be more in there. Oh, like your one. what I'm saying. Yeah, like my one. <laughs> Thanks for the money <laughs> when you stayed over I, last time. I didn't even sit on that couch but he still got my money. About 37 billion. He's, what? He was crawling around, crawling around on the ground looking for my pockets. I was like, what are you doing? I'm playing the button game. <laughs> the other story I was going to mention is there's a, a Hong Kong zoo has been trying to get two pandas to mate for 10 years. <laughs> and uh, unsuccessfully, until the coronavirus shut down, the pandas finally have some privacy. And Steve, they did it. Oh, oh We know because of cameras, because we're sick fucks. That's it. They finally, all they needed was privacy. Uh, Ying Ying and Lele, or Lili. Um, 10 years of what the zoo said quote unquote trial and learning I understand <laughs> have finally have finally led to uh, look we've all we've all been there finally yeah. led to success and it turns out all they needed was privacy so they were just didn't oh but the bad one is do you hear Berlin Zoo is saying that their apes are getting depressed because they treat the humans watching them as their entertainment oh no so it's like it's like their TV we're their TV oh, and we're not there so they're like no what the fuck am I going to do now maybe they'll just have more sex like the pandas I think apes have a lot of sex anyway. Yeah. It makes me think about it. Like, you know, when you go to a zoo or a farm or you see just two animals just unabashedly just having sex 
for you to see. It makes me think that they know you're there and they like it and they're nasty. Those turtles are making eye contact with you, yeah. Richie. That's like, that's the only way they can finish. Whereas these pandas are, f- are far more modest and waited until, mm. you know, they had some privacy before they got down to it. So hopefully there'll be some baby pandas on the way. That'd be lovely. I can 100% understand how the Yostu stories are related. They're, yeah, when you look, when you kind of squint your eyes and look closely at the two stories, there's a lot of overlap. Our smart listeners will, will get that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jer. <laughs> Uh, do you have a new story? Another new story? Uh, yes. Well, this is a new story suggested by you as well, though. Is it? Um, yeah. Which one's this now? <laughs> the name of the episode. Well, actually, we should say that the episode uh, was suggested by Jer. Oh. So, because uh, we were, we're laughing at the idea of what I'm who. <laughs> that was his That was his particular joke. And yeah. I just ran with it. Uh, so, so we're going to segue into, into our what I'm who topic through this new story another one of our fantastically smooth segues oh get ready this is really just going to be headline buttery oily smooth it's going to be like you know all the gunk that they've been giving those pandas for 10 years to try and get them to go at it that's how smooth and luby it is (laughs) panda lube speaking of which what how did your sex day go yesterday how did my sex day go yesterday (laughs) yeah we were supposed to record yesterday and richie's like sorry i can't and i was like oh scheduled sex nice (laughs) that's exactly never denied it never denied it need a whole day (laughs) um yes trump has pulled funding funding for the world health organization yeah you know at a really just calm quiet time you know when nobody's paying attention to health or the world Mm, when organizations a time when calm minds can prevail yes and of course the most calm and thoughtful of all of them is in charge of the largest most powerful nation in the world fuck's sake um (laughs) okay there's this makes me so angry (laughs) this makes me so do do we want to start with like why he said he was going to do this because they haven't actually like done it yet right it's hard to tell right as with most things that Trump is involved in, mm. you think that like decisions as important to this are straightforward and understandable. Yeah. They're not. No. So uh, he is threatening to cease funding to the WHO and it's funded on a quarterly basis. So I guess he's saying that at the next quarterly lump of money check, they're not going to get it. Yeah. And then he'll decide if they'll get the one after that. Yeah. They, I think they said they were going to do an investigation, but that investigation is three months, which is a full a full quarter. A full yeah, quarter? So. That was, that's an oxymoron. <laughs> so they probably won't actually do it. And this will just be another thing that Trump uses to bash random organizations with and create enemies that he doesn't really need to do. Yeah. So he's a he is a big fan of undermining institutions. Like that's been part of his playbook from the get-go. That's because he should be fucking locked in an institution. That's it. It's also part of the authoritarian playbook in general. Undermine your institutions. That's like the first thing, but we won't get into that right now. I know. Uh, well, but is this just... You did write it and send it to him. True. Um, is, is this just him trying to redirect blame? Because he, he's handled this coronavirus um, absolutely awfully. Mark made a really weird noise there. What was it? Um, I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> <It's like> a, <laughs> Herc is our sitcom studio audience. Um. Yes, he is trying to redirect blame, but unfortunately, this isn't just a straight cut through, oh, he's completely wrong. The Who could have done things better, and that's what we'll get into. So, will we go back to the start let's, and ask... Let's go back to the start and ask, what am Who? World Health Organization, a body of the United Nations. So, they are a intergovernmental yes. entity, institution, and what are they responsible yes. for? 
uh, world health, which is a big, broad thing. Mm. And they've kind of been figuring out how to how to fill whatever big mandate that they've been trying to get. Um, but they've kind of settled on encouraging countries to spend more on their public health, mm-hmm. uh, moving towards the idea of having universal health care for all humans, and also stepping in in moments of big international pandemic crises. Right. So they're there to be like, uh, to provide guidance on like infrastructure and emergency preparedness and yeah, best practices yeah. for, on like a global level or on a government level. For yes. Each of these, okay. Yes. But they've never like, well, we will go through it. They've had a couple of, of examples where they have stepped in and perhaps because they stepped in, they didn't become massive global pandemics like, like what we're having now. Mm-hmm. So we'll get to that later. It's hard to know how many spoilers to give and yeah. how to, what to talk about immediately now. Okay, well, let's let's go right back and we'll just work through it kind of chronologically. So, like, when and I guess more importantly, why were they, like, was the WHO established? Yeah, the WHO was part of the whole UN thing, which was a large personality helping to push that forward was Eleanor Roosevelt. Big up to the Roosevelts. Whoop, whoop. Wife of Franklin Eleanor and Teddy's favourite niece. She threw herself into this project big time and got a lot of countries together. And one of the things that they kind of moved to, as well as moving towards being a human rights organization to try and promote justice and equality for all peoples, if they could, is like, oh, well, justice and equality is great, but it's not much good if you're dying of typhoid or smallpox or malaria. So we'll try and get some international organization around that. Mm-hmm. So they set up the World Health Organization, kind of as a department of the of the United Nations, but it also has its own structure and organization and assembly. Right. And I have to let the dog out or he's going to bark. <laughs> this is walk time on his uh, COVID routine, so. <laughs> ah, yeah, he's a creature of habit, if nothing else. Yes. So is it fair to say that um, the WHO is a branch of the United Nations or does it operate with more agency than that? It operates with more agency than that, but still falls within the structure and remit of the United Nations, if that makes sense. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> it, has, <laughs> and it, it doesn't really. It has a separate has a separate organizational structure, but at the same time, it still would essentially count as part of the UN. I guess it would be like, the sassier, more independent child, if you were to put like UNESCO and like the children's organizations and those kind of things in there as well. So what does it, on a, on a practical level, like what does it do? What does who do? Who do? What's that? Who do that you do? <laughs> so like I was saying, they, they have been, they've been trying to find where they fit into this whole thing. And they kind of, they were relatively small up until maybe the nineties. They've been trying to gather and organize themselves as like a lobby group on governments trying to analyze how they run their healthcare systems, give them advice, make recommendations, and sometimes make judgments. But as with most things related to the United Nations, which of course deserves an episode on its own that we haven't got around to even with 101 episodes, (laughs) Mm. um, most countries are like, fuck you, international organization. (laughs) You're not the boss of me. So they kind of shrug them off, but they still make the recommendations. They send the doctors in. They, They are involved in kind of organizing countries together to to have transnational research groups and studies and those kind of things, kind of organizing places and meetings that doctors can come to to have chats, try and break down the national barriers that might have been there before, which has all mm-hmm. been going on since globalization started way back when. But still, this is like a an institutional structure around it. And then as well, importantly for the context of this episode, they have yeah. actually stepped in a few times where there have been transnational epidemics or things that could turn into massive transnational ep- epidemics. Things like smallpox, SARS, uh, malaria, and mm-hmm. Ebola is probably the biggest one you can talk about. So Ebola, a disease that broke out in West Africa, I think it was it was very big headlines in the news for 
a couple of years and there were some cases of people bringing it back, like medical workers from the West bringing it back, um, but they were captured and contained and isolated. So it didn't actually spread anywhere else, but it was a big deal. And a lot of the countries were getting very afraid because as bad as COVID is, Ebola is shitting yourself to death. So that yeah. would not have been nice. The mortality rates are higher. Much higher. And it's, it's a much yeah. harder disease to control. So the WHO stepped in um, helped to organize a lot of the local response. Whereas, so the countries that were involved in that one were West African countries who frankly don't have as strong an infrastructure as some of the countries that are being hit with this COVID one. We got hit with SARS mm-hmm. before that. So they were the ones who, who kind of organized stuff. And it's one of those examples of times where because things went right, people don't jump up and give them the credit. Right. It's hard. Like right now, I think we're living in a, in a split timeline of like the worst case scenario of like, if you don't manage to stop and contain yeah. all these things, this is the kind of economic devastation that happens. But when you live in the positive timeline and don't see all that stuff, yeah. you just see, you know, think life continue on as normal. It's hard to envision the yeah. worst case scenario. And I guess scenario. you can't really call what's going on now as life continuing as normal because our lives have been severely disrupted. But if we hadn't taken these consequences, there would mm-hmm. be a lot more dead people. <laughs> so you can apply that then to what um, yeah, exactly. who did in, in in West Africa with the amount of time, energy, resources and manpower that they put in that effectively held to stop that massive pandemic from spreading further and causing way more damage. So they didn't mm-hmm. get much credit for that and had to kind of hobble on. No. So when it came to this one, are we ready to talk about this one or will we talk about who funds them first? Let's talk okay. about this one first because I think that... Like so with nice this one... Um, there is problems. This one, COVID nineteen. There are problems, and I am, I am cautious about talking too much about it because these are problems that are not political that any idiot can shine on about, as I've demonstrated in this podcast. <laughs> but these are issues of medical policy, who we should really listen to the experts on. Yeah, of which a lot of people have doctor in their name and work for an organization called Who. <laughs> yeah, but I'm still going to criticize them a little bit. Yeah, we'll yeah we can caveat as we get through it. We'll caveat it because yeah, I know I know, yeah. I know what you're what you're saying and what you're about to say, and it it is tricky. But I think ultimately we yeah. can shake out to a good so, place. But go on. We we kind of have to talk about funding for a little bit because at the at the moment, who is massively funded by two nations, the United States and China, right? And this COVID nineteen disease originated in China, in Wuhan, in China, and. We all saw it. We all saw the news stories around Christmas time. We all saw this and that. People were paying. Suddenly, who became a forefront uh, organization? The press conferences were very much paid attention to. People were keeping a close eye on what mm-hmm. they were saying. And they were saying it mm-hmm. wasn't that bad as some people were reacting. So, for example, the United States and Russia and Australia, I think, shut down their borders to China around the end of January, start of February. Mm-hmm. Who came out and made a statement to say that that may not necessarily have been a good thing. They also were quite deferential towards what the Chinese authorities were saying. And there have been questions about whether they were doing that on a medical policy basis or on a international political basis to be nice to China, who give them loads of money. So so an example was, there was uh, stories at the start that saying that um, in January that this COVID-19, there wasn't much proof of it being transmitted from human to human. I think it was one, was one story, one narrative that came out and who received that from China and kind of perpetuated it. Yes. Um, whether that was a case of them like taking that story from China and just kind of like PR repeating it because that's the best knowledge they had at the time. Because again, they're an organization that works on a global level, not just in China. And they're reliant on working with local governments to get their information or whether it's because, hey, we've got the second big, second or third, I think the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is like mm. second after America 
in terms of entities that fund them. But one of our biggest don't like uh, benefactors, we don't want to rub them the wrong way in case we're hurt from, you know, doing our work again in the future. So it's like, a, it's a toss yes. up between and it's, these two things. Were they acting politically or were they acting just like with the information they were given? And it's going to take a commission of review in a couple of years to figure that out. Lawyers going through interviews and transcripts and emails and all that kind of things to figure that yeah. out. It's also worth pointing out as well, like caveating at the start, we're talking about like a big, messy, complicated yeah. thing and things happen fast. There's a lot, a lot of assumptions can be made, but it, it, again, it'll take the benefit of hindsight, I think, to go back and look over something when we have the time. But things happen so quickly and, so, and, and in such a complicated manner that it's hard to, right now, make these calls. I've been very hesitant and reticent to do an episode on anything COVID related. And it was only this suggestion, actually, from yourself and Jared that actually was like, OK, yeah, that is that is a good way to get into talking about it. But even there, we have to caveat it to say, yeah, we're two guys yeah. on a podcast talking about things. Please don't make massive judgments and assumptions based on what we're saying. Yeah, absolutely. But I do, there is a little bit more evidence that who might lean towards political decisions in some cases. So Taiwan being the one we, we mentioned back in our, in our China episode that Taiwan is a strange situation. It is an island mm. off the coast of China, essentially a nation state run by people that fled there after the civil war and don't like the people in charge in Beijing. Mm-hmm who until recently were, until like the 70s, were effectively recognized as the official China and it only flipped when um, communist China joined the mainstream. Communist China say, that's a breakaway province. They're going to be rejoining us eventually. Nobody's allowed to recognize them as their own country, Mm -hmm. which includes in 2015, Taiwan being rejected for who member status by by the organization. So that has brought up some problems around the COVID thing. So... Taiwan is actually one of the best examples of countries organizing and stopping the pandemic from breaking out. And considering how close Taiwan is to China, mm-hmm. you have to give them a lot of credit there because of effort and energy. And it would be nice to see their data and cases lauded and yeah. shared around the world. But who have been accused of not doing that mm-hmm. for political reasons? Yeah, following the, the China narrative. It even got to the point where there's um, a WHO official called Bruce Isleward, I think he's American, but he might be Australia. Australian. He was having a video interview with a Taiwanese journalist who asked him questions whether Taiwan could be allowed to rejoin or to apply to join again. He responded to that question with silence <laughs> and then says, sorry, I couldn't hear your question. And she's like, oh, well, I'm just going to, no, no, sorry. No, it's okay. We can move on. <laughs> and then she asked the question anyway, and then he hung up <laughs> and then she phoned back. Yeah. And she asked the question again, and he hung up again. Wow. So, ra- <laughs> <laughs> that's just bad internet connectivity, man. It's just so it, was be- it, was be- it wasn't because she has a recording of, of her screen. It's silence and blinking and like <laughs> sighing. <laughs> Has anyone converted to blinking to Morse code to see who's he's trying to send a message? Help. <laughs> well, he said help, so it's clearly gibberish. <laughs> so uh, that has been shared an awful lot by the um, pro-American anti-Chinese people. Um, but it is a, it is an example of actual evidence of politics in, in, in inflecting on who officials. Um, yeah. So... What, what do you know? Donald Trump, he sure likes bashing China. So he's been taking up this stick and waving it around like a big angry baby that he is. Mm-hmm. And he used that as the basis of full funding. Um, while also simultaneously having sent a fuck ton of tweets back in February talking about how great China were doing at, at the lockdown. Look, he's a, he's a man. Consistency is not a strong point, nor has it ever been. No. 
So do we do we want to talk about the the timeline of of COVID nineteen and how who plugs into that? Yes. And how that led to where we are now? Yes. Okay. So, so let's do that. Let's do that. Um, COVID nineteen broke out in Wuhan in China, mm-hmm. and again, this is I'm being very careful now, so I don't say anything <laughs> controversial yeah. and send someone off onto a Facebook rant. Um, yeah. It broke out in China. There is evidence that the Chinese authorities played it down an awful lot. Yes, especially when it was the people on the ground did bring it to their attention, their attention yep. to the authorities' attention. But it was, yeah, it was downplayed. I think I think that's fair to say. Fair to say. I think, <laughs> I think that's been fairly widely accepted. If yes, and then who yeah. were denied permission to send doctors to Wuhan to help join in. They also requested that China, when they, um, I think they sequenced the genome of the, of the disease. It took Mm -hmm. China nine days to share that with who, so they could share it with the rest of the world. Essentially as a conduit between ground zero, where this happened, who was not able to act very effectively and was blocked at many points by China. Mm -hmm. And that kind of, that that, we can go back to talk about the problem of being an international organization. International organizations don't have any clout or power right they, they only they only have whatever power and clout whatever <laughs> they only have whatever ca- power and clout that a country will be willing to give it so if mm-hmm. china who have guns and soldiers say no you can't do this yeah who can't do anything about it they don't have an army of their own they don't have their own police force yeah which again kind of feeds into the earlier point we we're making of them perpetuating a message from china because again if they didn't have the ability to like do the level of thorough investigating that you would might expect from a yeah. entity like that then yeah they are just reliant on what the local experts on the ground are feeding into them and it is worth noting as well that america may be crying foul and saying that they didn't have a clue what was going on in x and y but there are american appointees in who who've been working in, in their headquarters receiving all this information from china and reporting it back to the trump regime since this entire thing started mm-hmm. so it's not that who are withholding information that they have to protect china They've just been, right. they've only been able to do as much as China has let them do. Yeah, exactly. With the couple of caveats that they may have acted like dicks around Taiwan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But in the grand scheme of this pandemic, a lot of, bla- you can't, like Trump cannot just segue all that blame onto who, like there's so much inactivity on the part of the Trump administration that blame yeah. has to lie there as well. Um, yeah. But we can, we can get to that. We can get to that. I mean, Sorry, I'm just so mad about this whole thing. <laughs> I just keep finding reasons to bring it up and go, yeah, but um, let's not forget fuck Trump. Anyway, back to back to the point at hand. One of the other questions is, could they have called this a global pandemic earlier than they did? There are instances in February and early March of uh, WHO officials, the director, uh, Jan Theopia, and who's in, the guy who's in charge of uh, emergency diseases, who's an Irish dude, um, saying statements like, oh, it's too early to call it a global pandemic. We, we can't call it a global pandemic. Um, ex, you know, mm. and then explaining why they can't, but also because it is a global pandemic, people are like, "Well, why didn't you call it a global pandemic?" Yeah, especially when the potential negatives are so devastating. Yeah, and do we know if the reason they didn't call it a global pandemic for as long as they could was because they didn't want to piss off China? I don't know. Yeah, again, we don't want to get into that. I don't want to get into that. Yeah, but it, yeah. it is. It has to be considered a possibility because this is politics. Yeah, absolutely, and they're and they are a political, if not directly, indirectly in nature yes. institution. Yeah. Um, so do we, do we want to talk a little bit about Trump's decision to pull it? Like what his rationale for doing it? Can we explore that a He's little bit? He's 100% absolutely fucking wrong. 
You yeah. should not pull funding to a World Health yeah. Organization during a global pandemic. It doesn't matter if someone you don't like starts a fire. You don't turn around and then throw fucking petrol onto it. Like, yeah, it's ridiculous. You it. call the fire brigade, you put out the fire and you sort things afterwards. It It's just politics. Like you say, mm. he's not, he, he can be accused of doing a bad job in terms of the reaction in the United States. And here, look, there's a boogeyman to go and blame. Like you said, authoritarian handbook 101. That's well, that's all he's doing. And he might not even be fucking doing it. <laughs> yeah. But even just like the the act of doing it is obviously devastating. Yes. and would really, like we say, they're the number one f- um, uh, source of funding for the WHO. Um, but even just like the discourse and act of taking this stance is so fucking dangerous yeah. and damaging. It's, it's more nationalism and small mindedness and isolationism shrinking, mm-hmm. th- shrinking the world stage when what we need is a global response to a global problem. Yeah. And here you have the leader of the global nation acting like a child, a petulant child and not wanting to play with anybody else to try and help fix it. It's just... Yeah, like you, you can level whatever criticisms you want to level at who fine once we know what happened, like when all this is over. Yeah. But in the grand scheme of things, it's so small compared to the, like actual, like the incalculable benefit that an institution like who can give humanity. Yeah. Like we said before, we alluded to it. You can't like you can't comprehend the things that could have happened if they hadn't stepped in for things like Ebola and all of the and all of the preventative work they do with advancing um, vaccinations and advancing testing and advancing like even infrastructure and planning. Like they they have a, a playbook on how countries should behave in a pandemic, which we are all using now today. Like there's so many things that you cannot calculate or we are incapable of working out that have benefited us. They'll be tripling their funding right now. Yeah, exactly. Reg- like regardless of what critiques you want to level at them, there's just no comparison to how much benefit they, that we, we have all gained from it. And now is when we need to look to the bridges that pull us together rather than the gulfs that divide us. That's good. Um, and, and who is one of those bridges? Like it works, like it works, <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> it, it works across the board and we need that stuff now more than ever. Um, and I ju- it just makes me so fucking sad that on a practical level, yeah, they wouldn't have the money they need um, to do the work that they do, but also the ideology that would make the world's most powerful man even talk about this to begin with. It just makes me very sad. I'm glad pandas in the world are having sex that, you know, to cheer, to, to, to brighten my day because shit like this does not make the situation we're in any more um, tolerable. Yeah. And there's not really much practical things we can do to make ourselves feel better about this either. This is like high politics yeah. at its max. The podcast. Sorry, Kate came in. I know whether she had something salient to say, but no, she forgot I was recording. <laughs> but no, you're right. Yeah, it is It is one of those things that's so so far and above and beyond us. But I don't know. All we can do is affect the things around us. Think globally, act locally. Do something to make this situation easier for people in your life around you and in your community. I.e. don't go outside until you're told you're allowed to. That's it. Follow that's the rules. It. Follow the rules and just see what, see what you can get involved with in a safe manner. Like I've just signed up for... Um, phone volunteering in um, my borough. Oh. So I sign up for uh, uh, with this Lambeth mutual aid thing and I give them my phone number and then I, I'm given a lot of time. Mine was today. And uh, just for a period of four hours, you just sit by your phone and people in the community call if they need help and you, you know, help sort them out with one of our many volunteers oh. and stuff to help get them shopping or whatever, that kind of thing. And these initiatives are all over the place and they're super easy. You just do very basic training and you can 
very easily from the comfort. Like I've been sitting here all day on my fat ass just doing this shit. This is easy peasy. So look out for stuff like that in your community that you can get involved. Yeah. In. And if you like, I know for Ireland, we actually don't have a great central organization for getting all that together. Or at least if there is one, mm. uh, Googling it hasn't showed me what it is, but you can actually go to your local area's Facebook groups and then like, just like, oh, X village, whatever. They'll have people posting about it going in there. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's how I found this. It was through a Facebook group and WhatsApp group. And that's how they've been rallying people. Like this isn't a, a like a council sanctioned thing at all. These are just a bunch of volunteers who've marshaled together, uh, which is lovely. So as, as awful as these other things are, always remember, to, was it Mr. Rogers said, look for the helpers oh. whenever there's a crisis. Look in the background, you'll see the people helping. Well, there you go, Richie. After, you know, four hours of doing that, you've done more for the world than the fucking giant baby in the White House. Hooray, Richie for president. <laughs> yeah, finally. Finally. Um, is that it? I think that's about it. Oh, you know what we should do, actually? We should bring it back, because ne- we need it now more than ever, Steve. Uh, what I'm keeping us sane. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we should talk. I know we did a whole episode on it, but we should just bring it back at the end of our normal episodes. If we want to talk about stuff that's keeping us sane and maybe the listeners would be interested in. Yeah. And I'll add it to the show notes if they want to do it. Yeah, um, I'll jump in and say that I took one of your advices and I um, started watching Kingdom, the South, ah! South Korean zombie show. What do you think? Really, really good, except we've hit a snag that um, a character who's very beloved died halfway through season two and we haven't yeah. been able to go back to it because it's too sad. <laughs> it's. I know who you're talking about and it's devastating. I'm going to censor what you said there because that will ruin <laughs> it for you, episode yeah. one. Because um, because it's so it was difficult at the start because frankly, I don't see enough Korean faces and I don't know Korean names. So it was kind of hard and they all wear these costumes and hats and stuff. They all have the same facial hair and it's it's like, okay, it's hard to figure out who's going and it's it's very Game of thrones in terms of its, its um, you know, court intrigue and all that kind of stuff, like you were saying. So I was like, mm. I don't know what's going on, but eventually figured it out, gave people names, one guy being... <laughs> yeah. So then, when he, yeah, it was terrible. It was terrible. Uh, yeah, getting, looking forward to it. I it better not end in a massive cliffhanger. I'm not going to say that. Damn it. However, Animal Crossing is a big pile of shite. Get fucked, Steve. Animal Crossing <laughs> is a fucking silver lining in my life. How many s- stories does your house have, or whatever? I've got three rooms. I've got my main room. I've got a sex room. <laughs> Because as as mentioned before, Hor- my island is called Hornybrook and it is a sex positive, sex forward island. Uh, now, it's very hard in a um, Nintendo game made for babies to have that aesthetic and to have that kind of lifestyle on my island. But I'm f- like we said before, it's just it's it's just a name. There is no brook there. Again, it's it's more of a, a horny cove, I would say, than a brook. <laughs> um, but. I'm doing as best I can to make it a very sex positive place for all of my many island guests. Um, but I'm loving it. So that's that's one thing that's keeping me sane. Another thing that's keeping me sane uh, that I just finished watching is Unorthodox on Netflix. Ah, the one about the... The um, Hasidic Jewish lady uh, who escaped from her, her life in Brooklyn um, to, to go to Berlin. And I won't add any more because it's all just about her journey and how she manages that transition and it's fucking wonderful. It's only four episodes. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a nice short watch, isn't it? It really is. And uh, it's got a fucking great soundtrack, particularly episode three, where they go to um, a club in Berlin. Nice. And there is, I found a new artist called Catnap, who was playing on stage and her music is used in the episode and it's fucking amazing. And I'll play a little bit of it now because I can't stop listening to it. And I think more people should listen to it. You made me feel so much better. 
dancing as to how I presume the, so- the sound is. I, you haven't played it for me, so no. I'll find out when <laughs> yeah. I listen back Yeah, <laughs> if yeah. my dance was accurate. Not at all, actually. <laughs> uh, anything else keeping you sane? Uh, yeah, well, I, instead of watching a nice short four-episode thing, I, I and someone else have been watching the Avengers, oh, sorry, the Marvel movies. Oh, from amazing. Start, because the person I'm watching would haven't watched it before. Who is, hasn't watched the Marvel movies at this point? Ah, a good few people. You'd be surprised. I guess. But uh, yeah, what, uh, how are you finding revisiting? I was worried about watching the ones that I remember as not being great, but they've all actually been fine. Like even Iron Man 2. Yeah. Yeah, pretty enjoyable. That's the thing. That's like their bar is so high that even the ones that are considered not great are just pretty good. Yeah. And like even when... Because even Iron Man 2, which is like probably one of the worst films in the entire franchise, has Sam Rockwell and he's fucking amazing. And Mickey it. Rourke like probably doesn't even know he's in a movie. Just like blah, 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 blah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, they're all like, even, uh, even when they're um, not great, they're still solid films. Got as far as the Avengers. So I think we're nearly there, right? Yeah. Nah, you got like 16 more. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they stopped being a pithy two hour movies after this one as well. Yeah, exactly. The, as I, I heard as well, um, so Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2 and the first Thor movie, I believe, were the only films in the whole 20 or whatever that were shot on film, like actual oh. film. Oh, the rest were all shot digitally and Disney for Disney Plus who have been doing a lot of fucking editing on their works. Yes, including the bomb. The bomb and Splash. Splash. Uh, but uh, they've been doing a lot of editing on their stuff. They removed the film grain from those films to make it cleaner and fit the kind of more digitally video-y look of the That's later films, which is awful. Ridiculous. It's a f- terrible decision. Those films look great because they're shot on film and actually have some of the nicest colours of any of the Marvel films. But yeah, they and like you say, Splash, they remove the Daryl Hannah's character. Just She had long hair that kind of came down to her bum a little bit, but th- th- that wasn't enough for Disney, who very badly, I would say, CGI'd some extra hair onto her bum. And there's like, it's, it's gone viral. It's had the opposite effect which is hilarious. They wanted to like cover up and like make it a teeny bit more modest. And now it's just called loads of attention to this particular piece of censorship. And I think more people have seen the before and afters than would have ever seen it before. So now everyone's seen Daryl Hannah's bum. I wonder how she feels about it. Ah, she's probably cool with it. She probably, yeah, probably chuffed. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's where, that's the note we end on Daryl Hannah's bum. That's, I don't even good. know if that's the actor's name. <laughs> it is. Is it? Okay, great. No matter, it was a name that was floating around in my mind. Is, is that the name of the actor or like a, a teacher from primary school that I had? <laughs> Whose bum you really wanted to see? <laughs> oh, let's end on that. Yeah, what I'm Daryl was a beautiful at man. gmail.com. <laughs> I'm politics uh, on Instagram and on Twitter if you want to. Uh, if you want to reach us at any point. If you want to tell us what's keeping you sane, maybe we'll mention that in a future episode. Uh, whatonpolitics.com forward slash beer if you want to buy us a lockdown beer. Yeah, we've had a few lockdown beers given our way. We appreciate it very much. Yeah, yeah, they're, they are definitely keeping us sane. So we do appreciate that. Um, but of course, only if you can afford it. Tough times and all that, I know. And uh, stay safe and stay, stay positive out yeah. there. Cover your mouth when you cough. Yeah. Don't touch your face. Don't touch someone else's face. Don't, don't touch them. Don't touch someone else's face with your face. Well, without consent if you have consent probably still shouldn't do it as much as you might probably shouldn't do it as much drink some Purell from time to time these are all (laughs) these are all solid who recommended policies do you remember when we were saying we didn't want to spread any rumours the fucking phones are turning people gay (laughs) 
Uh, phones aren't turning. Yeah, phone towers aren't turning you gay, and don't drink Purell. There, we did it, Steve. We saved humanity. <laughs> oh no. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. 